So I say out loud, hey, just so you know. It began with an onion. And, and the monks around me would always giggle and, and, and get rosy in the cheeks because... And this hot, hot, hot doctor, of course, comes in when I look my absolute worst. And she goes, oh, there's one more thing I have to ask you, which is not true, because she actually needs to ask me a million more things, but I'll play along. Do you know what you just said? Hello, and welcome to the Valley Voices podcast from New England Public Media. I'm Vanessa Cirillo, and oh boy, do I have a good show for you. Today, I get to share the best of the best, the creme de la creme, the stories that won it all at our Valley Voices Story Slam Season 8 finale show, live on the big stage at the beautiful Academy of Music in Northampton. The house was packed, the crowd was pumped, and all 13 storytellers brought their A-game. But only one was going to walk away with the grand prize, a gorgeous Lucite trophy, and most importantly, bragging rights for days. After all the votes were tallied, Paul McNeil of East Hampton came out on top with a brand new story that had everyone rolling. We'll get to his story later in the episode, but first, let's listen to Jennifer Baker tell us about her mom's compost obsession. I hope you guys like this story because it makes me laugh every time. It began with an onion. I used to live in Chicago until July, and my parents live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and so they used to drive to visit me. And when they would drive, they would bring everything that my mom thought was relevant. That could include a single hair tie, a two-year-old CVS receipt for toothpaste, um, a sock, you get the idea. Um, They'd also bring everything they were gonna eat while they were gonna be with us, and then anything that my mother thought she might, uh, might go bad in her refrigerator while they were visiting. So they'd arrive, and there'd be this procession of bags, bags, bags into the kitchen. And once they got settled, we'd have to go through every single item that was going to enter my refrigerator. My husband and I call this grocery show and tell. (laughs) It's good. So she's like, Panera leftovers, half a kefir bottle, a single strawberry. I'm like, all right, we, we go through it all. We're sitting at the table, everybody's settled, and she goes, oh, there's one more thing I have to ask you, which is not true, because she actually needs to ask me a million more things, but I'll play along. And she goes, oh, she reaches into her purse and pulls out a single red onion and says, (laughs) um, and I'm like, oh, she says, do you want this? And I'm like, why do you have an onion that you don't want to eat? And you bought that? And she goes, No, Lisa did. Now, Lisa's my little sister, and Lisa lives in New Jersey. And we're in Chicago. And I'm like, Mom, did you actually bring an onion from New Jersey to Michigan to Chicago to ask me if I wanted it? And she goes, yeah, I wasn't going to throw it away. Dad Dad and I won't eat it. And I look at Dad, and he's not going to eat it. He actually isn't interested in any of this, because they've been married for 50 years, and none of this is new. And so he's just sitting there okay with it. And I'm like, I don't want the onion. Okay, so the next day, I go into the kitchen, and I find my mother elbow deep in the garbage disposal. And I'm like, oh my god, are you okay? And apparently, my father had cut up strawberries for his cereal, which he does every morning, 
and she does not approve of the way he trimmed them. So she is in the garbage disposal, pulling them out one by one, re-trimming them, eating what she's trimmed, and then setting the stems aside. And I'm like, oh my God, um, mom? And she just looks at me and goes, you and your father. Apparently, we share the gene for subpar berry trimming. <laughs> My dad, of course, again, doesn't bat an eye, takes the scolding like a champ. He just has, like, the longest, slowest fuse until he doesn't. So I go tell my husband, I just found my mom in the garbage disposal. And I'm walking back to the kitchen, and I, something in their room catches my eye, and it's a pile of dirty tissues on the floor next to the garbage can. And I'm like, okay. Mom, what's, what's the story with the tissues? Can we throw them away? And she goes, oh, I'm taking them home. <laughs> and I'm like, you're taking your dirty tissues home to Michigan? And she's like, yeah, I'm gonna compost them. And I'm like, all right, sweet, go for it. My dad, again, no problems with this, not yet. Okay, so I'm back in the kitchen a couple hours later and I notice that a bag has shown up on the countertop so that we can compost. Now, I was composting in Chicago. I'm all about composting. Pedal people, I do it here, I was doing it there. My husband doesn't like it because he doesn't like rotting food on the countertop. I get it. I tried to keep it outside. A squirrel got it. I stopped. But my mother's in town, and she needs this, so we're doing it. She needs to supervise the cleanup of all meals, which means that we dutifully bring our offering of dirty dishes to her so that she may correctly scrape them into the compost and then take one quarter of a paper towel and wipe any remaining oil or sauce from everything before my father is finally permitted to wash them. Now he inevitably screws something up, she gets irritated and you know, yells, get out of here, just give it to me. So, and he takes the scolding like a champ and silently leaves. So, fast forward, it's time for them to leave, and now we have to do grocery show and tell in reverse. <laughs> and here come the questions. Jenny, what about the almond milk? Do you want it? No. What about the lactate milk? No. What about the half of a bagel uh, your daughter didn't eat last night? No. A teaspoon of mayonnaise? No. A single pea? No. I'm trying to keep my cool, I love my mother, I get that this is important, but you know who isn't keeping his cool all of a sudden? My father. I'm starting to see something. He's starting to get agitated, and he's starting to pace, and he's starting to tap his legs, and he's checking his watch, and he's like, can we go? Can we please go? We need to go. And I'm like, oh my God, he's having a reaction. And, but grocery show and tell cannot be abbreviated so we're seeing this through. So we're in the home stretch, and I think we're both gonna make it. And then she hits us with the hammer. She goes, Jenny, what about the compost? And I'm like, I'll just take it down the street to where the farm picks it up. And she goes, or we could just take it home with us. And before I can say, Mom, do you really want a box of rotting food in your car for four hours? My dad loses it and goes, no, no, no. We are not driving the garbage back to Michigan. <laughs> Slams the door. And you know what? They did. 
That was Jennifer Baker. And you guys, this was her very first time doing something like this. You rock, Jennifer. Next up, the runner-up. Here's Tony Nunez with his story, Deep Breath. Oh, and you're going to hear something a little different in this recording. We get all fancy at the Best Of show and have a musician on stage with the storytellers to give them their timing cues. You'll hear Adam McElrath give Tony a few notes to tell him he's got a minute left, and then he plays him off the stage when his five minutes are up. So I'm standing in my doctor's office um, because a week earlier I was at work and I was in a meeting about a meeting regarding a meeting, so very productive. And I felt like someone had poured cold ice water down my back. And all I thought was, that's not an STD I'm used to, right? <laughs> so uh, in the waiting room, when I'm waiting, I always feel like it's my job to put everybody at ease. So there, there's a group of people, all nervous. So I say out loud, hey, just so you know, 98% of the time that you come to the doctor, it's nothing. And that's a made-up number that I made up in my head. Because numbers help people and statistics help people, so I'm there. I'm a helper, okay? So I go into the doctors and I explain. I said, you know, she said, what happened? I said, well, you know, a week ago I had that weird sensation. I went to the emergency room and the doctor there said, oh, you probably pulled your back out. And he pulled out some sample tablets. And before he even told me what the tablets were for, I had taken them. <laughs> and... And, and, and I said to him, you know, just be cautious, because, like, if I find a tablet in a parking lot, I will take it. So let's divvy this out slowly. So she said, I think we need to have you go down to get an x-ray. So I traipsed down to get an x-ray, and I'm getting the x-ray done. I'm, it's Friday. I think I'm just going home. And the x-ray technician who's eating a granola bar says to me, are you headed home after this? You're headed back up. And I said, oh, I'm just going home because, you know, they'll call me if there's anything. And she said, oh, you're not going anywhere. And I thought, is it syphilis? Like, let's just get it out in the open. We can all talk about it. And she said, no. And she turned the screen, and I could see I had no left lung. And I said, where's my lung? And then she said, it's probably up here somewhere. And then she adds a little something as they're walking me back upstairs. She says, it's called tension pneumothorax now. It can happen to anyone at any time. And if you had gone home, you would have died in your sleep. <laughs> With a smile. And I'm like, oh, thanks. So I go back upstairs, and they have to call an ambulance, which is totally embarrassing, right? They strap me to a stretcher, and then they bring me out through where I told people not to worry. So I wave. It's just my lung. I don't have a lung. Don't worry about it. I just don't have a lung. So in the ambulance, I have to do the worst part of this, which is to call my husband. My husband, wonderful man. I'm saying that because he's in the audience. But wonderful man. But he is not the best with this stuff because he always thinks I'm on the edge of dying just because I'm like six years older than me. He's like, you're about to die. So I call him from the ambulance and I decide I need to reword it. So what I say is, listen, I'm going to visit the hospital. I've lost my left lung. They think they know where it is. Don't worry about it. But I need you to come home and take care of the dogs. Bye, click. At the hospital, no one can believe that I'm the person that doesn't have a functioning 100% left lung. And this hot, hot, hot doctor, of course, comes in when I look my absolute worst. 
And he says to me, listen, this is what we're gonna have to do and this is not gonna feel good. We're gonna um, penetrate through your chest wall and then you're gonna have to inhale, it's gonna be really painful. And I said the thing I thought I would never say to a hot guy, which is, I don't know if I want you to penetrate me. <laughs> which is odd for me to say. I was like, are these even words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> so I get a room in the middle of the night, they send me upstairs, and in the morning I get up and I get dressed, totally dressed. I take this box that's attached to me that has a tube coming out going into a gurgle box that anytime I inhale, you can hear it gurgling, and I put that in my messenger bag and I go down to get coffee, right? So I get coffee, absolutely fine. The next day my husband arrives, and again, my husband with these stressful situations gets a little, let's say self-focused, right? Um, it's absolutely adorable. I mean, ultimately it will be in the divorce papers, but right now it's cute, right? Right now I'm still like, oh, that's cute. And he comes in and the first thing he says to me, I have tubes coming on me, is he says, listen, I stubbed my toe really bad at the house. <laughs> and it's like all swollen. I've never ha had that happen. I I'm, I'm, have no lung, but okay, yeah, let's talk. And I was like, maybe we should get a surgeon to come out and look at you quickly, right? So it was decided that surgery was the only option. And so, Something that people need to know is nurses rock. Because if you, and I'm not saying this, Adam, thank you, Adam. So, no, nurses rock because if you respect nurses for what they do, they do fun things for you, right? So after the surgery, I needed help bathing and the nurses were like, let's get Ricardo. And, and I thought, what's going on? And the, the thing is, is that Ricardo came in and sad for him. He's too muscular. They don't have the scrubs that fit him there. So he's got to bring his own. So he doesn't want to get that one wet. So he's got to take it off when he's helping me. Sad. So sad. Absolutely brilliant. So when I got home, you know, I didn't realize the emotional toll of everything, right? Uh, it, it was just devastating. But the one thing I got was I went down to the coffee shop after the surgery and there was a little boy there, this gay boy that worked there, and he said to me, listen, last time you were here, someone came in and they complained because you had your gurgle box. And, I, and he said, just so you know, she's here, the woman that complained, she's behind you. So I approach her and I say, listen, I remember seeing you and you really remind me of my mom. I don't have much time left. So it's really nice to see a familiar face. Thank you. At home, I, I was devastated, but my husband really set me back up. I was in the bathroom looking at myself and absolutely devastated with what occurred. He gently knocked on the door and looked in and said, how long are you gonna be? There's a sale at Target. Thank you. That was Tony Nunez, accompanied by Adam McElrath. Tony describes himself as a Taurus with a Scorpio rising who fears birds and bright lighting. This is the Valley Voices podcast from New England Public Media. I'm Vanessa Cirillo. And before I share Paul McNeil's winning story with you, please know that you too could be on stage with us. I'm looking at all you Leos out there. Don't let Tony have all the fun. 
Season 9 kicks off in September, so start thinking about what secrets you want to spill and sign up for our mailing list so you'll be the first to know when we announce next season's themes. Write us at valleyvoices at nepm.org. Okay, it's the moment you've all been waiting for, a brand new story from the very funny Paul McNeil. I talk. I'm a big talker, very verbal, very outgoing. Uh, when I'm not talking, I don't feel as connected. I don't feel as uh, included. And it's, it's a big deal for me to feel included, to be a part of something. I hate being lonely. I hate being alone. I'm from a very big family. I'm one of eight kids. I was the seventh of eight kids. I'm a classic seventh extroverted, sensitive, Pisces, six foot three. So when I graduated college, I was privileged enough to go to college and graduate, I thought, I've, I've, had, it, I've had it really good. I'm gonna do something very different and very challenging. I'm going to go across the world. I'm gonna teach English as a foreign language in Laos. And I did that, and it was the greatest thing ever, but initially it was the hardest thing ever. And the first two weeks were nearly impossible. It was so, so, so challenging because of the language stuff. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was in this village about an hour outside of the capital city of Vientiane in Laos, and I, I couldn't speak English to people because they didn't speak English, and I didn't understand the Lao language that they were speaking with me. And it was very, 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 very hard. I cried every single day the first two weeks, just kept crying. I'm not a big crier, but I was crying a lot. And I, I had to figure out Lao. I had to figure out how to speak their language in, in order to connect, in order to share my thoughts and feelings and understand what their people were feeling and thinking. And so I studied Lao. I was figuring it out. And Lao is a, uni a unique language. It's tonal. So uh, you have tones. You don't have an American English. You also have, uh, they do the subject first and then a possessive pronoun or a possessive adjective after the subject. So like, Instead of saying my glasses, you would say glasses my or glasses me. Just a little loud lesson. And so these are the little things I had to learn and figure out and practice and study. And it was so hard. It was so hard for me. Um, I remember it was day two in Laos and I was with my homestay family and I'd just gotten off the phone with my family, a very expensive, very long distance phone call to my family back home. And I was in a really tough place. I was sobbing. And my homestay sister, Loxamy, came up to me and she said, she said, Paul, are you happy? Which was very sweet and very impressive. She didn't speak very much English. And so I was very touched. It was so thoughtful. I had no idea what to say. I couldn't say anything in English because she wouldn't understand what I was saying. I didn't speak Lao, so I couldn't respond to her in Lao. And so I went to my Lao English dictionary, and I practiced, and I studied. And like 20 to 30 minutes later, I came back to Loxami, and I said, Koi, no, Koi. Men joplai. I am very happy as I was weeping. <laughs> but I, I wanted her to know that I was happy to be there. I, w I didn't feel happy in that moment, but I was happy to be there. It was just so sweet that she was reaching out to me. And, but I had to practice like that. I had to look up phrases and, and sentences that I needed and wanted to use and learn. And I just kept at it. I kept at it. Every weekend, every Sunday in the village I was in, I would go and, and there was an open meditation at the local Buddhist monastery. And I'd go and I'd weasel my, my way in amongst all the monks and I would sit down and I was so big 
and so American, and I would, I would, I would practice Lao saying, um, uh, "Koi, oh, koi, uh, men, uh, nyai lai," and and the monks around me would always giggle and 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 get rosy in the cheeks because I was saying, uh, "Oh, I am very big," and they always, they thought that was funny, and uh, you also weren't supposed to talk, so maybe that was why, but. I was trying to connect, I was trying to connect, I was, I was verbalizing, I was using language, and, and I, my students that I, I taught, my, I taught packed rooms of 14-year-olds in the, the village high school, and I learned uh, just before lunch, I would say, you know, proudly and loudly, I would say, koi, and I have to correct myself because the tones are really important, koi yak gin kao, I want to eat, and the children would squeal with joy and delight, and they were so excited that I would say this, when usually they were very reserved, very polite, very shy, and quiet, and so I, I sort of found a key to get them excited, and so I said that every day, and then I, I, about two months into living in Laos, I was at the American Embassy, checking my email, which I tried to do every week, uh, I would check my email, just stay connected to people back home, and I was about halfway through the day, and I walked by the front desk staff person, Ken, who I'd never spoken with before, but I was going to show off some of my Lao skills. And so I said, Ken, koi, koi, yak bai hong nua. I'm going to the bathroom. Ken was drinking water, but then he was spitting out water and said, are you serious? In perfect Queen's English. And I said, yeah, what's wrong? And he said, do you know what you just said? And again, in perfect English. And I said, I want to go to the bathroom. And he said, you just said your penis wants to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, eh, it's still correct. But he said, koi, when you go up, means penis. Koi means you or, or means me or I. And he continued an English, uh, allow language lesson with me. I didn't hear another word Ken said. My ears were ringing and it, had been, it was like a bomb had exploded and I was just sort of having these flashbacks wash over me of all the conversations I'd been having with all of the people in Laos for two months. These beautiful, quiet, peaceful, thoughtful, kind people. And I remembered the monks when I would weasel my way into the monastery and said, oh, sorry, my penis is very big. I remembered the conversations with all of the 14-year-old children who were usually very reserved and quiet when I would announce before lunch, my penis is hungry! <laughs> and I remembered Laksami when she approached me and, and was checking in with me and seeing if I was okay. And I, I told her through sobs, th through, through soaking wet cheeks and hands, my penis is happy. A couple years ago, my, uh, I had a two-year-old who was uh, really developing English skills and he's doing a great job with sentences and, and, and phrases and my wife and I were so proud of him. And we were tucking him in, I'm tucking him in, he's wearing his cute little safari PJs and, and he points down near his waist and he says, Dada, Dada, my penis is tired. <laughs> and I scooped him up and I squeezed him and without even a little bit of judgment, I told him, mine is too, buddy. <laughs> mine is too. Thank you.
was Paul McNeil who took home the gold with that story at the Best of Valley Voices this spring. I have to say, in addition to being an awesome storyteller, Paul is also that guy backstage, giving everyone loads of encouragement, getting them psyched up, and making sure everyone's having a good time. Thanks for sharing your terrible Lao with us, Paul. That's it for this episode of the Valley Voices podcast, but don't cry. We've got a whole bunch of great stories coming your way. Our summer short series starts with the very next episode of the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed. Each Friday, you'll get a single story, all packaged up like a rocket pop or an ice cold can of wine in your beach bag, just in time for summer. Valley Voices Story Slam is produced by New England Public Media and the Academy of Music. Huge thanks to my co-host this season, Lyrical Faith, and to everyone at the Academy of Music for making it all happen. Our podcast is produced by the best of the best, the creme de la creme, Miss Katie Wright for New England Public Media. (laughs) It's true, you guys. She is the very, very best. I'm Vanessa Cirillo. See you next time.